This is the GPL Podcast, part of the Pull Tab Sports family. Oh boy. You making mistakes. I love it. And so I had to train for this marathon. <laughs> Make sure you'll stay awake for the game tomorrow, too. <laughs> Let's get this bandwagon going, folks. Take Come that, on. Mr. Negative. <laughs> I think Bart must be watching upstairs. Rut row. Is Chuck going to be awake for Thanksgiving tomorrow? Juke's roommate's worried. Juke's roommate's worried. (laughs) Juke's roommate. Now, here's Jupiter and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast. Episode number 257, and Viggs, you predicted a sweep last week. You said if they didn't sweep, I have to go back to the Dominican. Unfortunately, I can't go back to the Dominican right now. They won't let you back in? Your passport's no good? I don't don't think I want to travel on an emergency passport. Some countries don't accept it. Okay. Well, better safe than sorry. (laughs) I, you know, have been called Mr. Negative sometimes for my reality checks yeah, on the Gophers, yeah. and I just felt like they were trending the right way. It was time to give them six points, and then they have that third period stinker on Friday night that really just cost them one game. And overall, five good periods, not good enough for six points. There's been a lot of that this year, but uh, it's Badger Week, and what happens when it's Badger Week, Viggs? We bring in one of the, the godfathers of college hockey. The man who knows a lot. Well, let's bring him in, Todd Valeski. Todd, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys? You have a really good team covering this year. It's it's been a bit different than the last few years, yeah. It has um, been. It And it feels a little bit more grounded in reality than that 2021 season that uh, was the, you know, the Cole Caulfield year. Exactly. Um, a lot of it built around that and you knew when he left that it left um <laughs> same yeah and with Bone holloway and the whole crew there once it once it moved on it was like yeah okay what's what's coming next and we saw what came next it was a couple of pretty down years um but this seems more like a a building of a of a structure instead of just kind of like a uh a, a quick fix um I mean, I could be wrong. It it could turn south again next season, but I don't think it's it's going that way. Um, and, and and so we'll, we'll see. I I I I feel like there's more stability coming to Wisconsin, um, and we're starting to see that this season. And um, but we won't know that for a while now. So going back to Minnesota's weekend, Viggs started out pretty good couple two periods played wonderful and then a very much uh detroit lion-esque collapse <laughs> in the third period on friday night i know that there's a lot of gopher fans out there who equate this loss to something that happened in tampa back in april where a team a changes their style or they change their approach and they choke a game away I think this is just a situation where you have a team that has lapses in judgment and they chase offense in a situation where they didn't have to. Uh, I asked Bob today about situational awareness and he's like, yep, this team is still trying to figure that out. It was a big problem in the first half of the season, you know, where they'd give away goals in key situations or not be buttoned up defensively on the back check in key situations and it costs you games in college hockey. And that's part of the learning experience this team goes through. Will they figure it out by the end of the movie? We don't know. <laughs> oh, boy, it's tricky. So it was a bad go for loss. It's something close to what Bob said Friday night. And then, then we heard uh, Frank Mazzacco saying on the radio that the bus ride would never been that quiet, either going to or from or even the next game. Next game, they showed up. Very impressive and pretty much handled Michigan State the entire game. Well, the thing that most impressed me with their performance on Saturday was they were under pressure 
for long periods of time. And typically this year's team, when they've been under pressure for long periods of times, they make mistakes or they get in trouble and they give away goals. Saturday, the Gophers were in the right spots. They didn't chase the puck into the corners and give away offense to Michigan State. They stayed in their structure and they fought through it and got out of it. And they extended the lead when they had opportunities and they weren't chasing offense. It was very much winning percentage hockey, which is a switch that has to turn for a team, I think, especially in college with young guys. You have to go, all right, I know I could probably get away with this, but it's not the right time for that. And I'm going to play smart. I'm going to play winning hockey. And they they closed out the game. They got solid goaltending. They didn't take any bad penalties. And they, they closed it off for three points. So a split weekend for Minnesota and Michigan State. And for the Badgers, Todd, uh, I would say a split in Michigan is kind of always a good thing, isn't it? I mean, they have not played well there for years. So anything you get out of Michigan points-wise is is a bonus for them. Uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit different of, of, of a framing this season with, with the way the, where the teams were. Um, but we've seen where Wisconsin, whatever framework they have on, on the ice, uh, doesn't match up very well with what Michigan throws at them. Um, and that did show through a couple times uh, throughout the weekend uh, in at Yost, where um, the 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 high danger chances were were coming way too fast, mm-hmm. and, and there were too many of them. And that was a little bit of a flashback to previous seasons uh, for the Badgers. And I I think that was a a concern both days. Uh, they they bought their way out of it on on Saturday by having just by being resilient and and not letting a one goal deficit get to two goals. Every time they chipped away, they got back the tide. They went went behind, got back the tide. Um, if you fall too far behind Michigan, you're you're in trouble. Especially a team that doesn't have um, the the kind of you know dynamic scoring that that. Michigan and Minnesota have and, and can do. Um, they have players that can score, but it's not necessarily going to be an automatic thing or you have guys you know you're going to get something out of every night. Uh, so they're going to have to play a, a much more um, strict defensive style this week to to kind of get their, get their way out of that. They don't want to get back into that kind of um, style of game again this week because that's, that's going to turn out poorly for them yeah it, it could but uh, we'll get into that later i'm just i'm i'm still waiting for um i'm waiting for bob and one of bob's teams to solve my castings teams it's been a while and uh that's kind of where i'm still not so sure about this weekend or where i'm even thinking this weekend's gonna happen but uh so I, I would still say Viggs, you know, I predicted a split last weekend. I was disappointed that they didn't get more f- from uh, Michigan State, especially with how well they played, you know, most of Friday night. Um, I would still call it a successful weekend going into a team higher than you that's been playing a lot better this season and getting a split. Unfortunately, I think that's the way the Gophers have to look at it is that it was a successful weekend, getting the split on the road. You always talk about winning at home and splitting on the road. It's still tough, I think, to stomach just the way they gave away the game on Friday because it didn't feel like they really were beaten. And so that's the hard part, I think, is that it takes Four seconds left. Oh, jeez. It takes a team like this to go through that moment to get reinforced that lesson is really hard. And, and we really won't know if that lesson takes hold unless they start taking care of business and weekends like this one coming up, because we know what the recipe is to beat a Mike Hastings team and it's discipline, it's situational mm-hmm. awareness, and it's not chasing the game. And it's discipline. You, <laughs> you just have to take advantage of situations when they present themselves, because that will happen during a hockey game. It's just, do you capitalize in those moments? And that'll be key. Because Minnesota was able to do that Saturday against Michigan State, and it wasn't even close. You know, I I don't know if Michigan State is really a top five team based on the way I've seen them play Minnesota, 
But when I saw Wisconsin play Minnesota, that looked like a top five team. I don't think you're wrong there, Vings. So, well, before we get, I, I got a couple topics I want to cover tonight. Uh, but first, we need to talk about our sponsors, Vings. And uh, of course, Cub Foods is one of our sponsors now. And they're, uh, well, they're always great for me. I, I always talk about them a lot. But uh, tell us about it. Yeah, we love Cub. You know, they're a part of Minnesota sports right now. They're on PJ Flex headset. You know, they're sponsoring our podcast. They sponsor Pull Tab Sports, Wild on 7th, all that stuff. It's great. And, uh, you know, when you go to a grocery store, you want something local, Cubs local. They're one of us. They, they get support, give back to the community, and they've got great stuff. If you want to order for pickup, you can do that. If you want to stop and get your groceries and get some liquor, beer, wine, THC products, they got it as well. So there's lots of Cubs around the metro. Find one you like and, and stop in there. Definitely. We definitely appreciate Cub being one of our sponsors, but also one of our sponsors is Duke Cannon. And this is one of my favorites right here. Jake Middleton here, Director of Hair and Hygiene for the Minnesota Wild. How did I get this important role with the team, you ask? I'd like to think it was because of hard work, but the truth is I run hot. Yep, I'm a sweater. In my role as Director of Hair and Hygiene, I'm sort of like a player coach. Let me pull out the grease board here. Well, it's not actually a grease board because there is nothing dirty about Duke Cannon. How do I help the guys stay squeaky clean? Helpful reminders. It's simple. Tarps off, Duke Cannon on. Say it with me. Tarps off, Duke Cannon on. Tarps off, Duke Cannon on. Pick the scent that suits you. Sawtooth. Thick body wash. Extra thick. And my favorite, Midnight Swim. Tarps off, Duke Cannon on. Duke Cannon. Work harder, smell better. Of course, we thank Duke Cannon and Cub for being sponsors of the GPL podcast. Back with Todd here. Oh, boy. We're hearing a lot of complaints this week, Todd. What is yeah. the deal with TV and the yeah. Badgers and all oh, that stuff? Why can't Fox 9 here in the cities pick up a simulcast or something? Oh, All right. Boy. Let's strip away the layers here, right? Because this <laughs> is a multi-layered issue. Um, Bingo. Uh, to the heart of it, if a game's not picked for BTN, if it's not going to ESPN, which it, it wouldn't be right now, uh, or FS1, what, one of the other linear TV stations that covers a national platform, it goes to btn plus however the teams themselves can choose to make deals with local stations a la fox 9 has minnesota has with fox 9 mm -hmm. those games are produced by a company uh that's actually based here near madison uh rush media they do the production mm -hmm. of them but they get paid by the university of minnesota to do the production of them this all comes at a cost. This is not cheap to put on a hockey broadcast. Yeah, you are it can be done cheaply, but you know it when it is, a la some of the Big Ten plus mm -hmm. broadcasts we've seen, <clears throat> Ohio State. <clears throat> um, <laughs> if you want multi-cameras, if you want a lot of cameras around the building, you have to pay for the cameras, you have to pay for the operators, you have to pay for the production, you have to pay for the the wiring, you have to do, pay for all mm -hmm. of these things. It all adds up. And when, if you're not able to sell sponsorship for it, who's paying for it? It's the school. Mm -hmm. And so here at Wisconsin, they had a deal with Bally Sports, you know, first Fox Sports Wisconsin, Bally Sports Wisconsin after that point um when the name changed that deal ran out after last season and because diamond sports group which owns the bally's networks is in bankruptcy they cannot sign new deals so even if wisconsin wanted to make an arrangement with bally's to put their games on tv they couldn't so that cut that off right away then you go into the is there an opportunity like Fox nine has in the twin cities 
with a local station here in Madison. Nothing really developed. From what I heard, there was there was no interest in that, no interest in absorbing that cost to put on those games. Um, and so you're left with having a BTN plus, Big Ten plus, whatever we call it now, broadcast using uh, student broad, student announcers and I believe mostly a student crew. There is some uh, crossover between the the production crew that runs cameras for the the video board in the Cole Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it gets used by both. I believe it can be used by both. I don't know how often that happens. Um, but it's it's not a great situation, obviously, for, you know, growing the game. Exactly. Uh, we understand that the future is streaming, that this is this is not something we can just ignore and think it'll it'll change. And it'll be different a year from now. No, this is the way it's going. Mm-hmm. It has however many big 10 men's basketball games and football games. And it's, that's the way it's going to go to be able to pay for all of these costs is that they need to sell. They need you to pay more than the $1 a month they're getting out of your cable bill uh, or satellite bill. Um, So this is the way it's going. Uh, I can hope. And I think we can all hope that at some point there'll be a better product uh, across the board in the big 10 um but we're not there yet uh thank goodness we have opportunities or you know arrangements like minnesota has with fox 9 to have real high quality broadcasts and the notre dame broadcasts on peacock are really high quality too that's that's a tv quality broadcast just happens to be on peacock um and so there's a um there's a big gap there between the the high end and the uh, the low end of of what you get on uh, Big Ten Plus, and um, that's uh, a little bit of where we're at. And I did some research today. Um, the last time a uh, Minnesota Wisconsin game was not on uh, linear TV in the Twin Cities, you want to guess a year? Oh my goodness! Early, yes, I should say not on live because it was on a two-hour delay. Okay, but. Well, that could that could have been re- more recent, that Not, late nineties. Yeah, uh, ninety six, February of ninety six. Here in Madison, there was all, all same uh, same thing uh, in the, for the series earlier that season in the Twin Cities too. Um, go for basketball was on MSC at seven, and uh, hockey got kicked at nine o'clock. So, um, do we know the last time it wasn't televised? Period. Uh, well, <laughs> the ginger records still go back. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I can't go that far because at least at, it, the games at Wisconsin always would have been on the tape delay broadcast through public television, home mm-hmm. games. So, um, Paul Braun, that whole crew. Yeah, yeah, who by the by the way is back doing. Uh, he's starting this week as uh, radio announcer for the women's uh, hockey team. Really? So uh, that's it, it's it's a great story. Paul is a, a wonderful guy, uh, was out of broadcasting for a long time um, and uh, out of hockey broadcast, play-by-play broadcasting for a long time, uh, lost his wife to Alzheimer's. Oh. Uh, and, and it was, he's uh, my, my counterpart at the State Journal, Jim Polstein, is, is working on a story about him coming back and doing these games now. And it's, he, he I, I love that he's getting this opportunity because he's such a, a, a good man and, and, uh, a, a real quality broadcaster too. And yes. forget about that. But um, it, it's cool that he's he's getting this chance to to, to fill in for some uh, for some hockey games. Well, back in those fun days, Viggs, it used to be when we'd go to Madison and they'd you know they'd have Paul Braun, and then when they were here in you know in met you know Mariucci, it'd be you know Frank Mazzacco, and and then we'd get Wooger in there, and oh, who was the Wisconsin guy? Uh, who was doing the color? Well, it would have been Tom Sagasor for a while. Sagasor, that's, that's the one you're That's the one they were putting memorable. and Woog together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They put Sagasor and Woog together. I'm like, oh my gosh. It was, Sag- Sag- it was made, fun, though. Made it memorable the, the times that he was on, that's for sure. Yes. So, Viggs, those were fun days. But we always saw the games on TV. Those were fun days. And I just think the concern about the production quality 
is what hockey fans mm. are worried about right now. Yes, you see exactly. certain schools like Notre Dame and Minnesota really investing in it. And then the flip side is the Ohio State, the Michigan State, Michigan, not so much. I feel like the Penn State games have been okay that I've seen. And then Wisconsin's been all over the board. Like some have been great, some have been pretty on the low end. So yep. I I would think a conference like the Big Ten could set some expectations for standards for how to move forward here. But it's definitely a concern for the fans, and, and we're going to hear about it all weekend, I'm, I'm sure. Well, you know, and it's it is a, it is a student thing. Uh, maybe more broadcasts will bring more, like you said, more attention to it. Maybe more money gets put into those schools for their. I mean, you look at St. Cloud Vigs; they've been doing a wonderful job for years, putting out great producers, directors, audio people. I mean, just all over the place through their you know broadcast program. There's no reason why some of these Big Ten schools can't do the same. You'd, you'd think so. You know, St. Cloud, a lot of people there want to get into broadcasting and they get really passionate about mm-hmm. their product and they take care with what they put out there. I did hear a note from one of our listeners that the Michigan State crew felt like a SNL skit of you know, like a student broadcast. And it was almost <laughs> unintentionally funny at times. But it's it's good feedback for those students to, to yes. learn and like really pay attention to what they're doing and and take a little pride. And, and get better the next time. And the, that's just it. The more you do it, the better you get. Yeah, I hope. Just I like hope our first that, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's what's happening behind the scenes. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, we can only hope. And, and But like you said, Todd, it's it's the future. Yeah. What's more of it's more of it's coming. Yeah, what I'd like to see, and this is, again, one of these like wish list things that will probably never happen, is uh, the opportunity to uh you know choose which audio you're hearing with the video you know because um i hear last week what i didn't go to michigan so i was watching the the btn plus stream Mm -hmm. and i had on the radio broadcast of of brian posick uh and trying to sync that up and and so i wasn't hearing things a minute apart from the live radio i I got rid of the actual over the air radio and went to the stream of the auto because that was a little closer and then mm-hmm. pause on the video until i could kind of match <laughs> it up and it, it's it's 2024 we shouldn't have to do those kind of things that that let, let's get the the radio broadcast of, and because around the big 10 those are the the highest quality broadcasters we have the ones that mm-hmm. know those teams the best are are the home radio announcers let's get them to be part of it and i'm sure there's got to be a, a compensation part of the you know the yeah. equation there for them but um you know i don't know that we have to overdo the broadcasting you know in terms of the number of of uh actual broadcasts we have out of a game when if there are two already happening that are going to radio let's let's have those be options and vegs i've actually seen in previous years I mean, even last year like the michigan btn plus games at home was their radio crew Mm-hmm. A much more experienced crew and did a great job, but students don't have to get paid to do a lot of this stuff. If you take a radio crew and all of a sudden, hey, we're on radio and TV, uh, we need to get paid more. That's it's it's a difference from being maybe a professional than an amateur or or student figs. Yeah. I'm not going to be the expert on this. I don't know how the budgets are going to work out. I want the students to have the opportunity to get that experience and get that exposure. It's just, you want to have a professor that's helping them along and, and really being firm with them about what the product they're putting out. Well, it's, it's just one of those interesting things. That's just, it's kind of coming to a head this weekend since, uh, no regular TV. So it'll be interesting. It doesn't bother me. I've, Vigo, you told me to embrace the streaming a couple of years ago, and I totally have, so I, I enjoy it. Um, another thing I wanted to get into here, Todd, are your thoughts on the NCAA regional sites. And, you know, you've got uh, Brad Schlossman has a point of view. you got Adam Wodan, who's got another point of view. Um, I'm guessing some people, uh, uh, 
views in between. We're going to have both of them on the show at the end of February. But what are your thoughts on how we solve this regional issue? Um, no one's ever going to be happy. I think yeah, true. Except true. that as one of the uh, the basic uh, uh, positions here. Um, I I am I find myself kind of torn between the, um, the I think it would be a better product having it in the campus buildings and having uh, that be the direction things go. Um, but I don't know if, I, I don't know, if, I should say the overall product, it would be better, but the, what, what we'd have to give up as a college hockey body to get there. And, and I say that in, in, in a couple of things in, uh, scheduling, because I think we're talking about a three week or adding an extra week to yes. the NCAA tournament or taking away the, the week off in between the regionals, you know, what is now the regionals and the frozen four. Um, and, and also um, we're talking about TV. We're talking about streaming just a few minutes ago. Uh, we're looking at having to get then eight different sites covered on, on one weekend. If it's, if it, it goes to the way that I think it would, it would be going to where you're having the top eight seeds host the first round then moving into then the four top remaining seeds after that hosting the next round. Um, that becomes difficult, not, not impossible, but difficult. Um, especially that time of the year to get production done at eight different sites. When you also have NCAA basketball, men's basketball, women's basketball, mm -hmm. NIT, women's NIT, all these other tournaments that are all kind of trying to get productions done. Um, I feel like it should be able to happen. I just don't have enough knowledge to know that it can happen at a high enough level that we wouldn't then be complaining about, well, this TV broadcast is so terrible. Uh, <laughs> we, it, it used to be better than this. Now we're, now we're onto that complaint. So uh, going into it, knowing that we're never going to make anyone happy, everyone happy is I think the, the best way of, uh, of looking at this but we can definitely make some, some improvements. I feel like if, if it does go to campus sites and I just, I don't know that there's, uh, I know there's demand for that around college. Hockey. I don't know if there's enough demand to, to push it through. It really, uh, it's, it's about if there's enough demand on the East coast leagues. It, yeah. It is going to come down to that, and I do think there's some disingenuous arguments being made about neutrality and that the system works now and why go back being made out there. And I always go, what's the most important thing to the tournament? And I think it's a great experience for the fans, for the players, for everybody who's watching it. I think that's the number one key. And I think maintaining a neutral site doesn't really help make it a great experience for everyone. Mm -hmm. You hear all kinds of college hockey players, would they rather play in an empty building or in a building filled of the opposing team's fans? They would pick a full building of people booing them every time. You know, that's an atmosphere that people can get into and get up for. And I just think for the biggest games of the year, you want that atmosphere. And then when you compare it with making money by selling more tickets, like my cross from Penn state documented, that's a win. You look at every other tournament run by the NCAA at a high level and making money and putting together a great atmosphere definitely seems to be more higher priority than neutral sites. I mean, you look at what's going to happen with the college football playoff. Where are those first round games being played? campus sites and that's big time college football where you have football coaches making hundred million dollar contracts based on getting into those games. They're trying to create a big atmosphere. Why does basketball do all these regionals? It's because CBS pays billions of dollars for the broadcast rights and they want the easiest, best TV product. That's why that tournament is run that way. You look at volleyball, there's campus sites, women's basketball, campus sites. You know, all those smaller sports, campus sites, because it gets you a better atmosphere and it works. 
So why we hold our feet to the fire that we have to do this neutral site thing when we bend over backwards to figure out how to get people to bid to host it? What do we do with the hosts when they make the tournament and they're not a one or two seed? <laughs> we don't have enough buildings out west, so they're going to play in a 2,500 seat arena. What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> I... Yeah, we, we that kind of got around, you know, we didn't really know that until that, that Maryland Heights, Missouri is 2,500 seats. I, I believe it's closer to 3,000, but your point stands. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Standing um, room seats. Standing yeah. room seats get us to three. There, Plus actually, media. I, I, I think it is because they have uh, one of those, like, party areas. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, that'll make great. Uh... Um, kind of the same way that, Fargo has, I believe, behind one of the goals, if I'm remembering it right. Um, yeah, but that's still a much bigger arena. It is a bigger <laughs> arena. Yeah. It's more like five. <laughs> um, and it's th- this uh, it came to my attention a couple of years ago when that building opened. And and I think the Wisconsin women's team was one of the first teams to play in there mm-hmm. the first weekend. And so I, I wasn't there, but I was watching on the stream and it was like, wait this this is a regional site then in a couple of years huh um <laughs> I, I i need someone to please count the seats for me because I, they were advertising at one point that it was gonna be 3,500, 4,000 seats and that that did not line up with what i saw on on the video those uh uh those couple of days and so i yeah i i, I don't know exactly what the number is but or what the final number is but what I was told at some point was that they were thinking it was 3,000 seats. It's not going to be 5,000 like the regulations say is the minimum number of seats required. And which the only is, way you get under that is if no one else is bidding. Exactly. And which is a, um, and the minimum is, is, has been going out of regulations and in, in some different things, like for the, the women's frozen four, they took out a minimum number uh just in in this cycle uh to see if some other sites would really would bid on that that are underneath the 5000 or uh i forget 3500 something i, I don't remember yeah, I what, say it must be at least 3500 because i know ritters yeah right yeah. um and so i that you know made people wonder whether uh Laban at Wisconsin would be interested in hosting it's just that's it. I, they would love to, but it's that time of the year to squeeze things in when you have the state basketball tournament and the the wrestling tournament, all these other events that are going on right around there. Um, it it only lines up like once every six years that they would even have an opportunity to have something mm-hmm. in that building because you need to use the locker rooms that are in the Colt Center as well uh, to have four teams in there. Um, so Viggs. Something like this, maybe they do go down the home team road. How would you like to see the schedule? Would you like to see still that extra week, you know, two weeks basically between the regional final and a frozen four? I think the best point I've heard so far is you don't want to go up against the final four for mm-hmm. men's basketball. So you want to have that extra week in there. And that that makes sense to me. On the flip side, I'm like, why do we take this long winter break? Why can't we just pack some of the season into that time? Yes, and and just use it. You just that need way. one more week. You just need right. one more week. So you know, all the other sports don't take these long breaks. Why is hockey? So that would be a way to fit your schedule in if you just okay. didn't take that long break. Well, it's an interesting topic that we you know we'll be talking about more in a couple you know the end of February when uh, both. Uh, you know, Brad was on with with Wodan. Uh, I did listen to that podcast. Uh, I was a little disheartened that, you know, Wodan said, well, I didn't really read your article yet. He said this in the podcast. I'm like, but I got the gist of it. And then and then Wodan's rebuttal hadn't come out yet. I'm like, well, it'll be interesting because it seems like Wodan is not very happy with you, Viggs. And I, I'm like, what the, I mean, really? Come on. We're just trying to get great ratings for that show when he comes on. We're just going to build it up. Beautiful, yeah. We're just going to build it up. I'm not going to comment on social media about it. I want him yep. to, to see me face-to-face. Yep. And maybe he'll listen to this one, and he'll get some more of my talking points. We'll see. I, I know that uh, he had uh, Rampack Nold on 
this week on his podcast and they talked about it and Rand, you know, it's like, well, campus sites probably would have benefited us, but I don't mind it the way it is right now. Another coach who doesn't sound passionate about it one way or the other. And I think he probably gets a lot of pressure from his conference to stick with neutral sites because that seems to be what they care about because mm-hmm. it might help somebody other than Quinnipiac if they make it. They're probably just getting one bid this year, though. Yeah, you know, it's not about growing the game. It's not what's better for the game. It's what's better for our team, our conference. And I don't like that argument. I don't think that's a good place to start your stance from. But isn't that the way college hockey has gone in the last 15 years? I mean, just in general, not to like get all a high horse here or anything, but um, pulling apart of leagues and going different directions. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that was a little bit of the leading edge of, of some of this discussion, I think, um, when it comes down to it. So um, this is not the, uh, uh, the college hockey of, you know, Ron Mason and, and Jeff Sauer and, and a lot of the guys we miss. Um, Mm-hmm. And, and of course it was going to happen. I mean, that I don't think there was any question about that, but um, it, it is pretty uh, stark different from, from those days. It'll definitely be interesting. I, I have a feeling we're going to go with at least one more round of added regionals and it'll just get, keep getting worse and it'll, it'll eventually change, but I don't think the next se- section session is going to happen so what can you do well vegs um we do have more sponsors here that we wouldn't want to talk about today uh, we'll get some new ones for us that uh we'd love to share with people yeah first one yoko real estate group if you're in the market to buy or sell a house tis the season it's a little-known fact that Super Bowl Sunday here in the Midwest is the official trigger point to list your home or start looking. And if you're going into the market, whether you're buying or selling, don't roll the dice on your biggest asset. Think twice and work with the twins from Yoakum Real Estate Group. Sarah and Jody are five-foot-tall, identical twin sisters who somehow can move an entire home of heavy furniture all by themselves. And, you know... When you got two body doubles, just keep in mind, Sarah's a lawyer by trade, ready to help you see around the corners, and Jody's a born creative, ready to unlock your vision and creative side. So keep in mind, home's your biggest asset. Think twice. Call the twins at Yoakum Real Estate. Visit yoakumrealestategroup.com for more info. That sounds like quite the combo, Viggs. Quite the combo indeed. Yeah, they've been helping out Pultab Sports, and I know John King likes this group, so... Check them out if you're looking at buying or selling. But we've also got some insurance too. Will Anderson. Yeah, former gopher Will Anderson. Yeah. You might have to dig deep in the archives to find him, according to sources. <laughs> but you should close your eyes and think of your insurance agent. Who is it? Someone you used to know decades ago in high school, friend of a friend, ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend. Ooh. Now ask yourself, <laughs> what has your insurance person done for you lately? Are they saving you money? Will they answer the phone when you call? Do you even know their number? Better yet, reach out to our sponsor, Will Anderson Insurance, and check them out. We can't promise he'll save you money. Let's just say you should sure get a quote. Call 612-361-7283 or visit willandersonagency.com. And we thank Will Anderson and Yoakum Realty uh, uh, for being new sponsors of the GPL podcast. So That's great. Let's bring Todd back in. Big weekend, guys. Um, to say the least. Um, Viggs, we didn't see it coming back in October. Was it October? I think it was. And the team certainly didn't see it coming. But these Badgers are for real. Yeah, we weren't being foolishly optimistic, were we? I, I was trying to think if that was that the the phrase I I used to say it was going to be a split. Yeah. Yep. Turns out we we were the ones who were way foolish. off. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 to be honest, Todd, we didn't see this kind of turnaround that quickly. No, Not, nobody no. did. No, at, at that point, um, you know, Wisconsin looked 
okay. I mean, they they lost at North Dakota, but they were in that game. It was a two nothing game with a, a shorthand goal, and they probably deserved you know to to be closer, if not tied, at at some point in that game. Um, and and so you're thinking, well, they, they they can hang around with really good teams, and that's kind of where I, I was at going into the the series at Mariucci, and then um, you know. Just the way that they played defensively in that in that that entire weekend was kind of the first I'd really seen of that up close, where you know, not making the mistakes that had cost them for the last few years, um, picking up assignments, being on the right assignments, to think you know, handling the rush better. Uh, those are the things we've seen that have have been the uh you know the the big changes for for the team this season to be you know at 20 wins and you know in in the top five and and kind of in in the hunt for a number one seed in 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 the ncas and and it i i don't i don't know where um where last week is what i was talking about earlier about where last week is going to fit into the kind of the picture of well was was that an anomaly or was what we saw before a little bit of, you know, fool's gold in terms of how well they're playing defensively? Because uh, like I said, if they give up as many of these, you know, chances in dangerous areas, they're, they're going to pay for it. Even if Kyle McClellan's playing well, he's, he can't play that well to, mm-hmm. to cover up that much as, as much, um, you know, kind of uh, just loose play that we saw from the badges in their D zone last week. And and that would be something I think you got to, you have to pay attention to if you're Wisconsin uh, for this week. And, and Viggs, um, we've said it for years. Yeah. The fans might not, might not like it, but the league is better when the badgers are good. And, uh, and if anything, it's really ramped up the excitement for this weekend of Minnesota coming into the badgers after what they did to them. In the fall. Well, I heard a couple of gophers really looking forward to going to Madison and seeing what that building looks like full because mm-hmm. they've never really seen it mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. with a big into it Badger fan base. And I'm expecting we're going to see that this weekend. I think there's a whiteout going on and there's a lot of excitement. Should be a pretty full building for this one. Yeah, uh, what I had heard was twelve thousand sold for for Friday and fourteen for sa- oh, for oh, Saturday. Oh. That's and that was earlier this week. So um, I, I checked the, the the seat map uh, on the tickets uh, site uh, earlier tonight, and uh, they're they're basically selling the the upper row ends on uh, um, on Saturday. So that's that that should be. Um, It'll be the biggest crowd they've had in almost five years at the Cole Center, which I mean tells you a lot because and the last last sellout they had Cole Caulfield was part of that. <laughs> he, he wasn't even it was before that. Well, that's what it's, I mean. Cole Caulfield yeah. went oh, through yeah. and it hasn't well it didn't and, do and much. Unfortunately for them, the the year that he was really good was the year that no one was in the building except for parents and cardboard cutouts um right which is i mean is is a thread to all of this that we could go down but yeah for your viewers don't care um uh but the it the last sellout at the cole center was uh in i believe february of 2019 it was mark johnson's jersey retirement night uh and that's the the only crowd that they've had over fourteen thousand in the last five years so um it, it's it's this is a story i'm i'm actually working on this week is it's it's starting to come it i don't know if it, it's the attendance is really coming back or if we're just seeing kind of a bump here uh for what should be a really good weekend uh there was a really good crowd to both nights against michigan earlier in the season uh and, and they got rewarded with some some really good games um it, but it, it we it still doesn't need to be more than just a one year thing to get this program mm-hmm. back going attendance wise. I think is kind of where I'm ending up with things here. And yeah, I remember last year, Viggs, I hadn't been to the Cole Center in fifteen plus years, 
I found it very easy to get lower level tickets last year for both games in the same spot. Great seats. I'm guessing that's just not happening this year. <laughs> Probably not. No. And I and I think the Gophers are ready for a big series. You just tell from the attitude uh, the players are giving in media this week that you know they're trying to build on their team right now. They were disappointed with how they finished Friday. They took care of business on Saturday. A lot of the players said that their preparation and just their attitude getting ready for the game was something they really paid attention to. And the leaders are trying to do that this week headed into Madison. You know, not just get in the free flow of riding the bus, get in the hotel, get in the ring, go back to the hotel, show up for the game, play the game. They want to be focused and dialed in. And I think for Minnesota to be successful, that's something they're going to have to do because Mike Hastings really puts in a tough structure to play against. And I think it's really benefiting um, McClellan this year in goal. You know, he's putting together some really good numbers. I do wonder if that's the Hastings system protecting him as opposed to him playing really, really well. Because I've heard some college hockey people talk about, oh, the great numbers, he must be playing great. You know, I watched a lot of Minnesota State games over the years where Dryden McKay was in that, and he was getting hyped up, and I'm just like, I don't see it. He gets easy saves. <laughs> no one's dangerous against him. No one's moving the puck across the slot and getting dangerous shots off. He can just face every shooter, challenge him top of the crease, and make the save. I don't know if McClellan can do that this year. He hasn't done it in the past, definitely not last year but it's up to Minnesota to put that pressure on him and figure it out. Is there something still in the Gophers' heads, though, about a Mike Hastings team? Because they've all experienced it and haven't been able to beat them. Well, I think from the Minnesota perspective, it's just frustration and lack of patience. And it's almost like the moxie that you can outskill a Hastings team. And that's not really what's going to work. And I feel like Bob has a different attitude in his lineup that that's not going to happen. The way Minnesota is getting in trouble this year is chasing offense. It's not necessarily making bad decisions at the blue lines or making bad decisions on exits. It's putting four players below the dots, trying to chase a rebound or a, a rush or trying to chase pucks on the power play where you just leave one player back and all of a sudden you have a shorthand rush going the other way. Those are the mistakes they're making. It's not the, you know, the Maverick mistakes that are costing odd man rushes and stuff in transition. So it's a little bit different, I think. Got our guy Taylor Kearns, who we like to call Mote, wants to know, Todd, how was writing stories this year versus the last few years? I guess last year you even got pulled off the beat. So well, like, I was going to say that they're about hockey this year, which is something yeah. I, I feel like I know as opposed to basketball, which I was covering at this point last year. So uh, that's a, a big bonus for me that um, back covering hockey. And I try not to take that for granted. So um, it's, it's a little bit different because um, this coaching staff is a lot more tightly controlled on, on who gets to see what. Um, you know, Tony Granado's staff was basically doors open. Come on in. Uh, he didn't go into the locker room or anything like that, but we wanted to come and see practice. Come on in. Uh, whereas now we're, we don't get to see practice. Uh, we are, uh, we have one day of media availability a week, kind of like the Gophers have. Um, it's, uh, it, it's a little more difficult to, um, to, to get to know people well that way. Um, so, you know, I, I, fortunately I, you know, have some relationships built up from the last few years, but, you know, getting to know the assistant coaches has, has, has been a little bit of a challenge because they don't see them very often. You know, if I'm, mm -hmm. they're, they're not coming in to talk to us in, in the media room. And uh, it's kind of like, I stop and try and chat with them for a couple of minutes in, in the hallway, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit different that way. So it's a little bit more of a challenge to, to get in the, some of the, the details of things that that you, we don't get to see as much of um but i i i should say that that you know mike hastings is really good to work with i mean he mm. you know they, they lost five to one friday night and he was he was on the phone with me you know 15 minutes after the game and you know just being honest and and being you know not he could have you know just said eh, forget it i'm not calling tonight but um he did that and so i 
I, I appreciate that. And I think he's, uh, you know, he's in a different situation, you know, than he was in Mankato, obviously, in terms of just visibility, there's, uh, you know, the availability, there's, you know, three TV stations that show up, there's two newspapers, a radio station, it's, you know, um, there, there's a, there's a, uh, a lot more uh, faces around uh, than, than, I guess, on a consistent basis than there probably was in Mankato. And, uh, you know, he's, he's dealing with trying to figure out who, who everyone is still um, mm-hmm. around Madison. So uh, who are the, the people he has to, to make sure to pay attention to in terms of, you know, donors and uh, sponsors and NIL, people in NIL and all this, this kind of stuff that's evolving. Um, and, and so he's, he's, uh, it seems like he's doing a pretty good job of, of kind of managing all of, uh, all of those other areas you need to, to be in as a college coach. All right, let's get into some predictions here, Viggs. Um, you've been preaching discipline. Um, that's going to be key this weekend. How does it turn out at the end of the game on Saturday? Where are we sitting? Uh, this is going to be a tough series, I think, for Minnesota, just because the way Wisconsin played against Michigan last weekend, I think allows Mike Hastings to get their attention. Mm-hmm. And I think the way Minnesota played against Michigan state gives Bob Mosco the ability to get the Gophers attention. So you're going to have two teams. that are going to be real dialed in on what they're supposed to execute in a hockey game. And I'm worried that Minnesota is going to go through one of those stretches where they're almost too patient and they're too on their heels and Wisconsin, if they get the Mike Hastings coaching that I know he can deliver, they're going to take advantage of that. And they're going to press and they're going to get out to a lead. And then Minnesota is going to be chasing. And I think that's how Friday night's going to go. And Wisconsin's going to get three points. And I think it's going to be flipped a little bit on Saturday because that's just what happens in college athletics is young kids, when they win, they don't pay as much attention to the details. And the team that loses has a little bit more. And Minnesota's definitely got the talent to score goals. I think we'll see a split. All right, Todd, what are you thinking? Well, Vigo kind of t- took my uh, stole my thunder there because that's pretty much exactly what I was going to say is that I feel like – We've been doing this for a while, Todd. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the, the the Friday night to me feels like a, a, a night that – we're going to see a lot of what's been drilled in the Wisconsin this week in terms of D zone coverages and being aware a little bit better than they were last week and having more structure <laughs> and all these things that uh, at the start of the year were being hammered in over and over again. We're probably being hammered in over and over again all of this week. Um, so I, I feel like that's going to, make it a, a probably a lower scoring game on, on Friday that I, I feel like the Badgers have a better chance of winning. But then Saturday, um, you're at a, at a point in the season now where we're in the last five weeks and you get to see some desperation in teams where when you're talking about, okay, you're in a – Minnesota's in a decent pairwise position but not great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, – if you start lingering towards that 12, 13 spot, that's, that's danger, Will Robinson. <laughs> yeah. And so that's where I think you get to see some desperation. And I feel like that's where we'll see desperation. If Friday goes away, uh, mm-hmm. we were talking about where we'll see that from Minnesota. And I would feel like we'd see a, a, a little bit like we saw last week from the Gophers, a, a much better effort overall uh, on, on the second night to, I mean, to get out of i mean what would really be a, if you if you think about it back-to-back road series at michigan state and wisconsin didn't used to be all that dangerous right but now you're talking about as the number one and number two teams in, in the conference mm-hmm. the back if you get out of that with, uh, with down. <laughs> you're probably doing all right even if it, it might not help catch up anywhere getting closer to first place but it mm-hmm. it, it does you okay in in the big picture and i think it just solidifies yourself in the pairwise if you can split against teams like michigan state and wisconsin the way the numbers are looking that's going to help your team down the road 
especially you know with Minnesota playing on the road this weekend, that always helps in the pairwise rankings. So important. I'm going to be a little more positive than you, Vigs. I'm going to say four points for Minnesota. Wisconsin wins in overtime Friday night, and uh, Gophers win regulation on Saturday. I can I throw something else in here. Um, first, you guys, I don't know if you saw this. The last time the these two teams were both ranked in the top ten for a border battle series in the regular season. All the road teams won, didn't it? Correct. Oh yeah, that's, I, I I thought I saw you tweet that. A a, uh, a certain number twenty six. Um, wait, no wait. Was that Vanny? I don't remember. It was Cass- no, no, it was twenty six. It was twenty six. Okay, um, yeah, had, had take a, that you stinking badgers on the on the, uh, the second game of that series uh, here at the Cole Center. Yeah, that was yeah. I was at that game. That was uh, was that was enjoyable. Don was not real happy with him afterward. At least what he said to us. He may have been saying something different to him, but yeah. (laughs) He knew what he had to say, right? Yeah, I think so. And oh, then they, when they brought Phil out, oh my God, he was like the deer in the headlights. (laughs) (laughs) Not someone who enjoys the media. No, no, definitely not. But in that situation, too, yeah. Um, hometown, yeah, he's yeah, hometown kid doing this, yeah, scoring a goal, (laughs) making memories for everybody. That's what these series are about. I I wonder if we're gonna have any big moments this weekend. I don't know, we'll see. People have been blowing kisses in games, throwing sticks. Who knows what's going to happen this time? We need a good jersey pop, though. We do. We need some good jersey pops going on this weekend. Let's get some of the anger that we used to see in these series, and you know, like I said, jersey pops are good old taunt and maybe a lot of trash talk between the benches. Let's have some fun. These guys are going to get riled up. One thing I'm going to be watching this weekend is the shift lengths for Rhett Pitlick. I know that's something that got him into trouble with uh, his coach. And Is that why he wasn't playing for a bit? Uh, it's a good better? bet. It's a good bet. There were a couple times I think Rhett looked at the bench and said, nah, I'm going to stay out for another 30 seconds, and the coaches were not too happy with that. I was listening to Rick Bonus, Bonus, the Winnipeg Jets coach. He was on the 32 Thoughts podcast, and they were asking him, like, what's the most selfish thing you can yeah. do in hockey? Shift length. That was a really good segment, yeah. If you're taking a long shift, you are cheating your teammates, you are taking away their ice time, you're embarrassing your coaches, and you're being a bad teammate. And he said that is... messing things up, too. Yep, the lines get off, uh, the rhythm falls out of whack. So I think it's important for Rhett to learn from that. And I'm sure Bob doesn't seem to have any qualms about sitting him. There's other players that that seem to have... uh, you know, the manila envelope or something to, to stay out and of the doghouse. Lace on the first line. Yeah, who knows? But uh <laughs> Bob and Rhett seem to have their issues. So we'll we'll see what happens there this weekend. I'm sure he'll be prompt on his line changes because that line has been very explosive this year. Um Oliver Moore has really stepped up his game the last couple of weeks. I think you'll see some articles on him from other journalists in the Twin Cities. And uh of course Jimmy Snugger continues to do what he does, which is shoot the puck, and uh, he'll probably get 25 shots this weekend. All right. So what are you working on right now, Todd, for this weekend? I um, For this weekend, a, a like I mentioned, a, I talked to uh, some people about attendance and talked to uh, the athletic director who hired Mike Hastings and could probably be taking a victory lap right around now. He didn't, he didn't do that, that much of it, but um, just about where, where things are at um, that it's happened a lot faster than anyone thought. Uh, but, but then again, that attendance still does need to, ha, has a, has a way to go because mm-hmm. um, it, this is all in context too, because you know, you're Wisconsin still going to end up as a number three, team in college hockey in terms of attendance because you know it has that big of a building it's it's yeah. 
it's not like a lot of the schools out east where you have a 3000 seat building and you get 2500 and you're happy with it it's that would uh that would be a little bit different here um but you know that when you're talking about that um uh, you know 15 years ago the average was 14000 um and and now that you're talking about 8800 being the average it's 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 a it's a, a lot off from that i don't think we'll ever get back to to that era. I mean, that was a different era in a lot of ways for, for a lot of different things, but, um, you know, if, if they can get consistently over 10,000, uh, that would be, uh, I think a, a good thing for them. Well, thanks for joining us, Todd, your 15th appearance. Of course, you know, anytime I, I am, I am happy to be here whenever you guys need me. It would have been a little more if you wouldn't have gotten yeah, right? pushed over to B-ball. <laughs> I, I I will never forget that it was at a I was covering Wisconsin at Penn State basketball that night and I, I got done writing and I looked at the clock and like can I weasel my way into an appearance you could have the message I would have got young. it was a late game I I think it started at nine eastern and so at that point it was like eleven thirty I'm like eh, they're probably done by now I can't I can't get down on this. <laughs> Well, we appreciate it. You're our number one guy now. I mean, you're a couple ahead of Cappy and a couple and a little more ahead of Frank Mazzacco. So let's keep it going, kid. Let's keep it going. I take that as an honor. Well, that's great. So that's going to do it for this episode of the GPL podcast. You know, we'll be back next week to recap, you know, this, this Badger series. But we're also going to have a new person on the podcast. Brian Tripp, the voice of Penn State Hockey, is going to join us. So it's always fun to have a new guest on the show. For those of you watching live, stay tuned for some overtime. For the rest of you, we'll catch you next week on the GPL Podcast.